Charles Blondin was a French tightrope walker, and he became known as the Great Blondin. He may be most famous for walking across Niagara Falls. Reportedly, he did, he did this several times with different objects or in different stunts, blindfolded, in a sack, I don't know. In one of those, <laughs> in one of those, he pushed a wheelbarrow across. But before he began that particular stunt, he <clears throat> asked the watching crowd if they believed he could do it. And having seen him do this already, go back and forth, they roared, yes! And after the stunt, he asked them if anyone would sit in the wheelbarrow as he pushed it along the tightrope. But no one would do that. I found this story in almost all the Google entries when I searched for the difference between trust and faith. Because to me, it seems like they're, they're related, and I wanted to see what Google would have to say. As it turns out, there's a site called The Difference Between or something like that. But there are other sites too, and most of the sites that I found that use this story have a belief in God or a higher power, and they use that to illustrate trust or faith. And the difference between the two, right? And so, Each of them arrived at what they thought using the same story in a little bit of a different way. Most of them agreeing that trust and faith are different but linked to one another. The site that didn't use this story was a blog by a secular humanist named Nolan Dalla who says that faith and trust are contradictory, that faith is a belief in something for which there is no evidence. That, that evidence of its existence doesn't exist. And that trust is based largely on evidence that is real according to senses and to human reason. Trust is the core conviction of judgment based on knowledge, instinct, and experience, he says. He feels quite strongly about this and frankly is pretty harsh and dogmatic about it. <laughs> But maybe I'm just saying that because I disagree with him in part. But it did lead me to ponder if there were theists, those of us who believe in God or in a higher power, and there are variations about that, right? There's a continuum about what that may mean for each person. Perhaps a belief in God means that there's something guiding our lives or a being that intervenes and intercedes on our behalf, a God that has everything under control and we trust completely in that God to take care of and protect us. Or maybe if you believe in God or in a higher power, you believe that it is not controlling our lives, but our belief in that God or higher power leads us to act in certain ways that are for our own good and for the good of others, um, the, or the, the good of the whole. Perhaps for you it's a belief in the collective conscience, conscious or the collective unconscious, or a belief in the goddess in all her manifestations. So there's that whole continuum um, about belief in that, and then there's this Um, secular humanists who think that human beings are capable of being ethical and moral without religion or God. The humanist life stance emphasizes the unique responsibility facing humanity and the ethical consequences of human decisions. 
Secular humanism says that ideology, whether religious or political, cannot be accepted or rejected based on faith, that there has to be something more than just a belief. I'm imagining that that rings true for many of us, whether or not we have a belief in God. So I thought about what if we move away from theism and we move away a little bit from secular humanism and we look at religious humanism. How do religious humanists look at the issue of trust and faith? And if you want a definition for religious humanism, I encourage you to Google it. But in short, it's it's us. It's Unitarian Universalist all, no matter what our beliefs are in a deity or not, the worldview that we have is pretty much religious humanism, that the inherent worth and dignity of every person matters, that coming we come together to be in community, to care for all beings and the planet with or without a belief in God or higher power. There's another part to this great Blondin story. First, Um, I'll just say that Blondin did not set that whole thing up by himself. He did not accomplish the great feats that he accomplished all by himself. He had help. He had a crew. And in particular, he had a manager who set things up for him. And while the manager also did not get in the wheelbarrow and be rolled across this tightrope, He did agree, are you ready for this, to let Blondin carry him on his back on a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. The people had faith that Blondin could push the wheelbarrow across the tightrope, but the manager trusted Blondin to get him safely to the other side. He trusted that he could do that. And I think that that's because they had a relationship because he knew who Blondin was, had watched him work, believed in him, trusted him. But what I wonder is how he got to that in the first place. Like, he had to become his manager in the first place. He had to, he had to know or believe or trust or have faith somehow that Blondin could do what he actually said he could do. Not just in Niagara Falls, but in all the other places that he had done it. At some point, it just would have, it would seem that he had chosen, he had made a choice to trust Blondin. And maybe that holds true with trust most of the time. The way we learn to trust is to trust. It is hard to earn, it is easy to break, and hard to get back. But it's a choice. We make a choice. We agree to trust. We agree about how it will be. We agree about how it will be with ourselves, how we will be with others, how we will be with that that is larger than us. Whatever that is, the planet, the universe, God, higher power. In other words, when we agree to trust, We are making a covenant. A covenant is how we choose to be, the agreement we make about how we are with ourselves, with each other, with the planet, with the universe, with God, or with that which is other than God. It is both a noun and a verb. 
a noun in the sense of written agreements about how we agree to be with each other. The Ten Commandments is a written covenant uh, handed down by God. <laughs> Here's what you'll do. Um, but how, we're, how we are to be with and about God and how we're to be with each other on this planet. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. No other gods before me, right? We recite a covenant nearly every Sunday that love is the spirit of this church. We also have a covenant also of loving relations, a written covenant about what we think is important and how we treat each other. There are copies in the back if you'd like to look at it. And as a verb, a covenant engages us in mutual promises with ourselves, with spirit, and with communities. As a congregation, we agree, we covenant, to affirm and promote the seven principles, and we also promise each other our trust and support. How do we know we can trust? The way we learn to trust is by trusting. And that's the edge, isn't it? That line between trusting ourselves and trusting another person or an experience or process or the universe or life, this is the edge of doubt where trust is that line and whether we can or can't trust and what we choose, where we choose to be. Whether or not we can trust that we can be in relationship, that we can covenant as a verb with ourselves, that we can trust deeply ourselves. I think most of us don't necessarily grow up with that sort of... um, Hearing those kinds of messages, right? Some of us may, but most of us, I think, don't necessarily hear those messages about trusting ourselves. We hear messages about conforming and about being nice and making friends. And there is a covenant, you know, an agreement, a social contract. I'll get to that. But we covenant also with each other and with all of humanity, actually, and with spirit, be it our own spirit or the great spirit or the larger world. There will be times, inevitably, when we trust and are disappointed. In so many ways we can trust, and in so many ways that trust can be broken. It can happen here. I can guarantee you that at some point, this church, this religion that you have found and made your own, will at times be a disappointment. I can guarantee that the people you love so dearly and hold in high regard will prove ourselves human after all. And I can guarantee that you will do something that causes you to be disappointed in you. And any of those may or may not be a break in covenant. But covenant is who we are and what we must do as human beings. Martin Buber says that we are promise-making promise-keeping, promise-breaking, promise-renewing people. And Unitarian theologian James Luther Adams says that human beings individually and collectively become human by making commitment, by making promise. He calls promises the first ingredient of covenant. It's just who we are. Our covenant is ultimately a covenant of being, And I'm not talking about our church covenant. I'm talking about our agreement with life, a covenant with our existence, an agreement 
with the creative, sustaining, commanding, judging, transforming powers that move in us and among us, that come from within us and come from we don't know where, and come from the support of other people. It's a tightrope walk with people on the ground watching and cheering us on and saying, yes, you can do it. It's our crew helping us to succeed. And trust is us saying yes to life. Yes, even in the midst of great disappointment and broken trust, I will love you again. Covenant is for each of us, but not for each of us alone. Covenant is also for the collective. We are brought out of separateness into community. We are responsible for individual behavior, but we're also responsible for the character of society. So let's think about that for a moment. If we're responsible for the character of society, how are we living out that covenant? My husband says we have a social contract that we agree to drive safely. Notice I didn't say drive the speed limit. (laughs) We agree to stop at stop signs, to clean up after ourselves, to be faithful in our intimate relationships if that's what we promise to do, to not cut in line, to pay taxes for the good of the whole, to not kill, to not steal, to treat each other kindly. It's what makes society work. And as a result of of covenant, we are also called to make society more just and more equal, a more just and more equal place for all of us. Covenant is about faithfulness and loyalty and love. Violation of the covenant of a covenant is truly a violation of trust. Covenant is trusting in a love divine love or human love, though, that will not let us go, trusting that we can repair that covenant, repair those relationships to experience and trust and believe in a love that will not let us go. Do we have such a love as this? In our relationships with lovers and friends and kin, in our church community, I don't mean the toxic kind of love that you can't live without. I mean the healthy love that allows each person to be who they are, to accept abilities and disabilities, to be truly open and understanding of all, to have true love, fierce love that allows us to tell the truth, that asks us to be both honest and kind, to actively work for justice, Do we allow allow for mistakes and forgiveness and evolution and growth and forgiveness? Did I mention forgiveness? A love and trust and covenant that means we stay in relationship with each other. We stay at the table. We stay in relationship with life. We tell the truth. We mend and heal our broken hearts. In the Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's a, a search for the Ark of the Covenant. And if you haven't seen this movie, you'll be exhausted at the end if you, you know, if you try to do everything with them. But at one point, this Ark of the Covenant is captured. It's a, it's a, it's in a big box and they take it out of the box and they're about to take the, um, top off of this thing, this container that holds 
the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> and, at, and um, of course, it's in the wrong hands, right? Always. And um, Indiana Jones, tied up, I think, to a post, um, says to his companion, don't look. When they open the top, don't look. And um, just look away. And as it's, as it's opened, a light and energy emanates from it so powerful that it just eviscerates anyone who sees it. Now, I don't want any of us to be eviscerated, but I do believe that trust, deep trust, deep covenant, that that kind of love can be powerful, to tra- powerful enough to transform our lives. But in order for that to happen, we have to trust each other. We have to trust the universe. We have to trust love. And most importantly, we do have to trust ourselves to be the promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-repairing people that we're called to be. May we be that. Blessed be and amen.